0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast. Where this week we're going to put on our Wellingtons, stow our gear, head out into the village, and search for the Abbey as we talk Silverstone. I'm Owen Bellwood, and as always, I'm joined by Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will?
1: That was great. I, if you could have like, if you could have followed that up with something around like we're going on a bear hunt. I don't know what's well,
0: the the one I was trying thought would fit there was maggots but i don't like that as a corner name so
1: no i also maggots and beckett's confuse me because i don't know which one's which and that it just puts me off i i want that to be like corner 13 14 15 16 17 not like oh you don't know where one starts from one ends. yeah um i digress i'm hot how are you
0: i'm also pretty hot
1: yeah it's awful isn't it
0: yeah it's not as bad here because i can just like turn on the aircon and it's fine no, 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 no.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> fancy Americans with your fancy air conditioning. Hello,
0: hello. We can't, How we've got to welcome the Americans. Last week's show had a lot of American listeners. So, oh yeah, thanks to America for accepting us with open arms.
1: But if you're if you're going with that, we also have to thank India.
0: Yeah, big in India last week.
1: Yes, that that big in India. I would certainly agree with that. <laughs> five Four listeners now
0: out of like a billion billboards
1: <laughs> by next week i want to see our face all over all over a deli
0: it's gonna happen uh, it's more likely that i'll like go to a deli
1: ah uh, uh, these puns just keep on coming owen it's only been two minutes calm down
0: i've not spoken to anyone for a while so they're all just <laughs> bursting out
1: well let's do some talking let's talk about what we're here to talk about
0: Yes, and what we are here to talk about is this weekend's British Grand Prix, which has proved to be quite the conversation starter. Did you watch the race?
1: It was yeah, it was controversial. Which one?
0: Well, this is the thing. There mm. was, we were we were treated to two races uh, over the course of the weekend because it was Formula One's first trial of sprint qualifying, which meant there was a traditional qualifying session on Friday, followed by a seventeen-lap race on saturday which would set the grid for sunday how did you find the format
1: well i'll be honest i didn't watch sprint qualifying because i was at a wedding um which was i think better than watching sprint qualifying (laughs) i really enjoyed having quali on friday night i think that worked really well i think it was really exciting i was like bouncing around the hotel room when george russell got a decent result in q3 I wasn't that fussed about sprint qualifying. It was okay. It was nice. It was nice to have a bit of fun, a bit of action. But it was only decent, I think, because of Fernando Alonso. And he he changed up the strategy.
0: Yeah, it was. there Because was, it was free tyre choice. I think there was a bit of worry that everyone would just be on the mediums. But Alonso, and I think Bottas was the other one, whipped out the softs. So Alonso made up like seven places or something was, in the first lap. It
1: was such a good start.
0: I know. He was like fifth by the end of lap one. Yeah. fourth maybe and he just carved his way through and it was just like the old Alonso was back
1: making yeah making
0: all these moves going around the outside dipping down the inside
1: but then he really did have to he really did have to like show his experience to keep as his tires dropped off before everyone else keep as many of them behind him as he could like he kept norris behind him for a while and then ricardo i can't remember who ended up behind him afterwards but it was pretty masterful if not a little bit on the edge Mm. He was He was weaving a little bit down towards a uh, failing club.
0: Yeah, he did have a few sort of trying to make his car wider than it was. Yeah. but what did you think to like the length of the race? I think it was kind of spot on. There was a little bit of a lull at the end, but I think the 17 laps meant that there was sort of thought you could get away with the softs if you wanted or you'd be safe on the mediums any shorter and everyone would have been on the softs any longer and everyone would have been on mediums.
1: That's true. That's a good point. I didn't consider that. Kind of My thought process was during the Grand Prix, around like the 15, 17 lap mark, that's where you go, right, I'm going to go make a cup of tea and wait until the pit stops. And kind of Everything settles down a bit. So I wouldn't have minded it a little bit shorter. I think actually Alonso keeping everyone behind him for so long did hamper the racing a little bit because by the time Norris was released, He had so much free air in front of him that there was no racing to do, no, which was a bit of a shame. But yeah, actually, in terms of like, I I mean, I sat down and watched it again on Monday and it was a nice bite-sized race. It was like watching an F2 race, I guess, just with a lot less action, which was a bit of a shame.
0: Are there any changes that you would like to make before we do it again at a race later in the year?
1: I think, I don't know. Yeah, if we're doing trials, let's trial like mandatory pit stops in a sprint race. That'd be fun. Everyone's got to start on the same tyre. That would also be fun. What about you?
0: I I disagree on the tyre front. I like that everyone was on different tyres. I mean, most people are on the same tyre, but there was a little bit of variation. Yeah, I think adding a pit stop in would be quite interesting because you'd obviously have fewer laps to make back any position you lose in the pits, like if you have a slow stop like uh, a few people did on Sunday, you've not got as many laps to catch up again. But yeah, I'm not really sure. It seems weird to have it as qualifying and I don't know if it'd be be not better, but if people would prefer to have qualifying on Friday, sprint race Saturday morning, qualifying Sunday afternoon for then the Grand Prix.
1: Well, another thought I don't know if this was a thought I had or something that I read on Twitter and then thought I had invented, (laughs) like so often happens. But why didn't they just do qualifying on Friday? Fine, that sets the grid for sprint qualifying, and then give ten points for first, all the way down to one point for tenth, and then just use the grid from Friday to do Sunday's grid again—the the 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 result from Friday's qualifying to do do the grid on the Grand Prix. Everyone wins,
0: I guess. The reason not to do that is that, that the way I see the whole sprint is that it's sort of another chance for you to get pole. Whereas if you've had a NAF qualifying, you're then stuck again on Sunday trying to make up.
1: It, yeah, happened. it's another chance to get pole, but I think you have more to lose as like Sergio Perez proved. Hmm. He made a mistake in a race that he would argue or perhaps argue, you know, shouldn't have happened. I, I'm sure he thinks that now anyway. Mm. And it completely ruined his weekend. Not that he had a great qualifying anyway, but you know, he he had a lot he had a better chance of getting up there if they'd have taken the grid from Friday for Sunday's Grand Prix.
0: Yeah. That's true. Have you seen the graphic that a few people have made that is um the positions gained and lost? No. Compared to qualifying and then sprint and then the race, it basically shows how the two biggest winners from the sprint qualifying were the Alpines. Like Alonso made up, came from 11th to 7th, and Esteban Ocon from 13th to 10th, so they were probably a team that would be happy to do it again. But then the losers were people like Perez, who DNF'd after a few incidents, and then Sainz, who got sort of tapped by George, and he ended up falling quite far back, but recovering a bit. Yep. So it was, there were these few like little pockets of action. Um, I'm happy that they're trying it. Looking forward to seeing it again.
1: Yeah, one thing I was very happy with, and you know we've talked about being broadcast nerds before, but the presentation at the beginning. I hope you got it on ESPN in America, like the way they went through the grid and the track beforehand.
0: It was maybe on. I don't think I saw it though.
1: Ah, so you know, like normally they do like the uh, the intro. And then it's like, oh, here are the three action zones. And Mm -hmm. here's the starting grid. and it's, Well, they did all of that, but it was in augmented reality. So everything was completely different. So it was like a helicopter shot of the entire circuit explaining, like things were popping up out of the ground, telling you like what was going on. And they went to another shot for the grid, but it was like augmented reality. So they were coming towards you, but like Formula E style. And then during the race, like sometimes, you know, they have the gap that comes across the bottom uh, third. Lower third that was appearing as like augmented reality, so mm-hmm. they've only been using it to kind of do ads in the past. But I was like, this is like the pinnacle of sports broadcasting, they should be doing this for they should swap it around. This is what I want to see on a Sunday. On the main one, yeah. um, it was really cool, I, I was quite impressed with that.
0: Hmm. I'll have to see if I can find that again. Uh, but the, the whole point of the sprint was to set the grid for Sunday's race, which. The drama that ensued, kind of, I feel like, has overshadowed the sprint debate afterwards.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, well, it's related somehow because obviously uh, Max jumps Lewis. We haven't even mentioned that Lewis got pole, have we? Or have you? You might have done and I've forgotten.
0: Lewis didn't get pole. Lewis got the speed speed king. king. Award. <laughs> <laughs> and then Max Verstappen oh. won the sprint, so Max got pole.
1: Speed King makes him sound like a drug lord or something, doesn't
0: it? Yeah. It should be the other way around. Because surely the sprint is... I don't know. Sprint and speed go more together.
1: We had an argument on this two weeks ago where I said pole position should go to qualify him and you said no. So I'm not having you change your mind now.
0: No. I, I still think whoever You're starts... You're on
1: side Speed King. This is it. This is <laughs> over. Debate <laughs> over.
0: Whoever starts the Grand Prix in first on pole position, but I'm just saying as a name, Speed King goes better with sprint and pole can fit with qualifying.
1: Why didn't they just say fastest lap? Yeah, I don't know. That would have been easier, (laughs) wouldn't it? Fastest driver, that would have been nice.
0: Yeah. So the Speed King lost his crown and was toppled by the pole position winning Max Verstappen who started on Sunday in pole position.
1: Hey, you really have I feel to like that, that's a very maybe. confusing <laughs> way of saying that. <laughs> so yeah, he jumped he jumped Lewis with his sm- well, not even smoking, they were flaming breaks on Saturday. And then Lewis got a similarly good start, not quite as good, uh, on Sunday, and was basically chasing him around like a dog chasing a rabbit. It was like inevitable that he was going to overtake him at some point, it seemed.
0: Well, he did seem to get past him on one of the straights. But then I think Max, like, outbraked him and got back ahead.
1: It was one of the best starts to a Grand Prix I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. Like, the way Lewis seemingly had the first corner, but then Max managed to take it wide and stay ahead. And then he was right on his tail again. And there were a few instances where it felt like they were going to come together before. Uh, Was it on the Wellington Strait when they basically touched wheels? And they were like side by side.
1: Yes, down towards Brooklyn's. Hmm. Yeah, that was that was dodgy, and that's where kind of Max swept over. Is you have those kind of two looping sections, and he took yeah. took back the lead. That's also where you have that really cool camera that like goes across, like a cross section of the two corners. I love that. Yeah, you could kind of tell it was going to boil over, and it was it was either going to settle down completely or go over the top. Yeah, and. It didn't settle down.
0: No. So as I'm sure everyone knows now, going into Cop's corner, they were both coming into the corner. Lewis tried to take it inside. Max turned in. Lewis's front left clipped Max's rear right and spun him off into the wall in a crash that was 51 G's.
1: Geez, That's a big crash.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Roman Grosjean's crash in uh, Bahrain was 53, so this is the second
1: oh, strongest core crash. Crikey. So it's mad. Yeah, it was. It was big because he seemed to like skim across the ground, so there yeah. was no like bounce or anything to take any of the force off.
0: It was like he sort of hopped over the gravel trap, so yeah. there was none of that rough surface to take any of the momentum out of it.
1: There's a video um, on YouTube that someone in the grandstand right behind the tire barrier took Mm. and like if you want to appreciate the speed at which he went off the track and hit that barrier and the noise it made look it up because Mm.
0: it was a very scary incident like how the wheel had already flown off in not quite the opposite direction but it had just flown off to one side and he'd spun off but the cause it really didn't look like a big contact
1: No, but these, they're so fragile and they're turning already so they lose downforce when they go through the corners, don't they? Mm
0: -hmm. But they're
1: so finely balanced that that's what they're always talking about, getting the balance of the car right, the balance of the car right. If you have another car that's going 200 miles an hour tap you, then it's going to throw everything off I guess. Yeah, yeah. And that's why you've got to be very careful when going into corners like cops. Mm -hmm. And if you hit the driver in front of you, it was probably your fault.
0: Yeah. Mercedes have kind of Said in the aftermath that if there hadn't been the red flag, Lewis would have had to retire as well. They said that they needed that period, that kind of stoppage period, to fix the car, and there was damages to I think the rim and his front wing and things. So they were worried about the condition. Because of that, it seems insane that there's people online saying that Lewis did it on purpose and he just wanted to take Max out because he knew he couldn't win the race otherwise. Like no, crazy. A seven-time world champion. Risk not finishing the race just to make his rival not finish.
1: Well, this—I mean, yeah—the crux of it, it—I think it, I think it was stupid, mm-hmm. and I think that argument is stupid because Lewis was clearly faster than Max. He would have had him when they came out of Maggots and Becketts. He he would have caught him eventually. He would have caught him if he could have kept with him through Maggots and Becketts. He would have been absolutely fine. Yeah. So. He would have done it on pace. He knew he would have done it on pace. He wouldn't have done it on purpose. There was no point.
0: No, it seemed like a slightly, not desperate, but it was quite hasty to go for the move then. There was sort of a little bit of a mirroring in the sprint where he'd kind of tried a similar move but backed out of it. And I think this is one of the reasons why they did come together because Max expected Lewis to back out of it. But... The Grand Prix is different to the sprint race. The sprint race, only three points for grabs. But here, Lewis wants 25 to close that gap down. So yeah. he's not going to back out of it. No. I think I kind of think that's why they did end up coming together, because they both sort of expected the other to.
1: But the problem with it for me was that he's already tried a move going into that corner. We talked about this on, on Messenger at the time, where Karun Shandok is going through it frame by frame. And that's fine. But if you actually go back a few seconds... Lewis tries a move on the outside hmm. and he doesn't really make it he's he's made a move at that corner back out like that move should be done now you, hmm. there's been a move there's been a defense if you attack again then Max is kind of entitled to defend again and that's not weaving it's defending from two of your attacks
0: yeah so I've watched two quite interesting analysis one is Karun's on sky where he says Lewis does a dummy and then goes down the inside but It's quite a big dummy, so Mm. what's the line between a dummy and an actual move? Um, Yeah. And then the other one is Julian Palmer's review of the incident on F1 TV, I think it is, but it also ends up on YouTube. He points out that during qualifying, practice qualifying in the sprint race, Max and Lewis had actually been running slightly different lines around that corner. So when you look at it, it looks like Lewis has missed the apex and isn't ready to turn in yet, but that's because he's been sort of running that line all weekend and Max has oh, been okay. running a steeper line. So when you're arguing who's on the racing line and who isn't, which kind of comes into who causes it, they're sort of both on their own lines and that's yeah. what makes it tricky to judge whose fault it is. I think the penalty that did come about in the end of 10 seconds for Lewis was completely fair and, like There's a lot of people saying, oh, we put a man in hospital, he needs a harsher penalty. No. But you can't base it on the outcome. You have to base it on the incident.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a similar example, but I, I I think it's something that's unique to motor racing, isn't it? Yeah. And, okay, an example being Kvyat, he, d- he didn't get any penalty for what happened with Grosjean, even though, well, I wouldn't say it was his fault, but Grosjean hit his car and he ended up in a ball of flames that doesn't mean yeah. you give Kvyat a penalty
0: no it obviously wasn't deemed a racing incident it was deemed that Hamilton was at fault but do you think if both had had to retire because Hamilton could easily have broken his suspension would it then just have been classed as a racing incident and swept under the rug?
1: if Leclerc would have won I, I wouldn't have cared yeah
0: that's true <laughs> <laughs> would have Charles um, and Lando on the podium a dream
1: um, that was a good question actually I, yeah, I don't see why not, because there's a lot of pressure, isn't there, when we, again, one of the beautiful things about this season of F1 is we can hear Michael Massey's conversations,
0: mm. and
1: my God, he is sassy, I I like him. But as soon as you get an incident like that, you're going to get pressure to dish out a penalty from one side, or both sides, actually. I think Toto was kind of pushing to say that was Max's fault, and so then do you give Max a penalty, even though he ended up in the barrier? Probably not.
0: It was quite dramatic hearing both teams rigging Michael and being like, have you seen this? He turned in. Have you checked your emails? What's going on? Ah,
1: that's great.
0: It was bizarre. I don't remember a crash or an incident like this that's caused as much kind of bubbling around. So, like, everyone's obviously losing their minds on Twitter and so staunchly in one corner or the other. And then there's, like, reports that Red Bull, have hired lawyers to look into the incident. Oh, it's
1: ridiculous. I it don't know what ridiculous. they're going to do.
0: Helmut Marco saying that Lewis needs a ban. And then Max has come out and said that Lewis is disrespectful and unsportsmanlike. It's no. quite an extreme response to an incident that everyone has thankfully walked away from fine.
1: Yeah, I think that's the important thing. Hmm. It's, it's stupid. I'd say the last time that there was a an incident that was this high profile... And had title implications was probably Rosberg Hamilton in Spain,
0: hmm.
1: where actually Verstappen went on to win his his, his race, and that will happen behind closed doors. I'm sure there was a massive storm between them that Toto Wolf had to sort out, hmm. but we're actually getting to see this play out between two sides, and it, it it this is what happens when you have a decent title fight. It's happened throughout history in Formula One. We've just not seen it recently because there's always been a dominant car.
0: Yeah. And obviously Red Bull have been on kind of a bit of a dominant streak and this is a chink in their form. So they're obviously right to be disappointed. Yeah. But I feel like there comes a point when you need to draw a line under it and be like, right, all we can do is win Hungary.
1: Yeah. And I think I think there's nothing wrong in just walking away from it. Like Christian Horner was so incensed in his interview with Sky Sports and I was just like, it's not a good look. Mm. rumours going around that you're getting lawyers involved is not a good look I don't think it's great for one of the title contenders to for Max to be sending out tweets saying you know it's not good sportsmanship I think if you don't think it's good sportsmanship you don't have to shout about it have a word and you know be a sportsman and, and sort out yourself and then I saw an interview with Lewis as well I don't think he gets off lightly he did an interview where he said I don't understand why Max has to be so aggressive he's always so aggressive and then about 40 seconds later in the same interview he says because god you know i'm never going to stop being so being aggressive you'll never be able to stop me being aggressive and it's like well
0: you can't yeah you're not better yeah double standards like that
1: you can't be a hypocrite like that you you're the number one in the world at the moment fine but when you're out on track you're the same as everyone else
0: yeah and obviously max has kind of got a bit of a history of being quite an aggressive defender and an aggressive attacker on things but at the moment, he's one of only three drivers that doesn't have any penalty points.
1: Yeah, he's which had is, a really clean season.
0: Yeah, which sort of does kind of show how far he's come along and how ready he seems to win the championship this year. Yeah. I just hope this isn't... Obviously, it's kind of the end of their like friendly rivalry, but I hope this doesn't bring about lots of dirty moves on track.
1: No, no. Well, I do think it will do though is if Lewis Hamilton wins the championship by anything less than 50 points there's always going to be people that say Max should have won mm. because he shouldn't have crashed in Azerbaijan when he was in the lead and he should have scored some points in Silverstone even if Lewis did get ahead of him so there's yeah. always going to be that something in the back of it. it won't be in the history books but when people talk about this season I think Max is still the strongest driver.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, that's something that comes every time Lewis Hamilton wins a world championship. It's like, oh, he's only won because of the car. Oh, he's only won because he doesn't have a good rival. Oh, he's only won because Max crashed.
1: I thought you were going to say because everyone thought Valtteri Bottas should have won.
0: Well, I'm sure someone does. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so as we said after the incident, it was red flagged. Lewis could fix his car. The incident was then under investigation. He was handed a 10 second penalty and then we got going again.
1: Before you do, I just wanted to ask you a really quick question. I I appreciate the the energy, but I had a question I wanted to ask you about that.
0: I'll just do, I'll bring the energy back. Don't worry.
1: Thank you. Red flag periods. Should you be allowed to repair a damaged car and start in the same position when you go out again?
0: Yeah. I don't see a problem with repairing the car.
1: It's a big question what we do here on Friday formula. We ask the big ones,
0: hard hitting questions. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't have problem with people fixing the car, making repairs and things like that, because you've effectively like paused the race and you're going to have to go back out there, do more racing. Whereas if you go out and you've got a bit of damage, there's a chance that you're going to then have to retire. And bring out a safety car, which is then going to bring the race to a pause again. Or, Mm -hmm. like, say something worse happens and you end up having to bring out the red flag again. I think it makes sense to be able to fix the car so that it is safe and competitive again. So after the incident, Lewis Hamilton was given his 10-second penalty. We had the red flag period. And then racing got underway again with Charles Leclerc leading the pack. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited were you?
1: Oh man, I went and got my hat, I put my hat on, I was very happy, I was content <laughs> at that point, that's all I needed. I was scared though, because I didn't know how long it was going to last. Boy, oh boy, did it last longer than I thought it was going to.
0: It lasted so much longer than I thought it was going to.
1: I wish it lasted shorter, because it was heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, there came a point when it was like, he's he's got to do it, he's going to do it, and then you just saw... Uh, The gap just decreasing lap by lap. Like Lewis made up like an eight second deficit in the space of about five laps or something bonkers like that.
1: I mean, right. Sometimes we have races like this where the second place car is chasing down the first place car, and the gap's getting down. And then it all gets a little bit weird because they get to lap traffic, and then whoever's in first ends up just taking the win because the lap traffic gets in the way. And I was like, this is it's going to happen. Like. Charles has got that traffic ahead they'll get out of his way create a little bit of a jam they would be fine why is it the one week it doesn't happen the one week
0: yeah it was tough
1: although although I think again as brilliant as a weekend it was for Ferrari they've kind of thrown it away a bit because have you seen what the rumour is why so Charles's engine started cutting out every now and again I'm not sure if this is true Apparently, they didn't fuel his car sufficiently.
0: Oh
1: So gosh. it wasn't receiving <laughs> enough fuel when it was doing certain upshifts.
0: Imagine if he'd run out of fuel before the end.
1: No, I don't want to imagine that.
0: Which actually was a suggestion I saw for how to mix up sprint races. Make it like a fuel- a Formula E format, where you give them a time limit and a set amount of fuel, rather than a lap limit.
1: Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Can't
0: remember where I saw that. Someone on Twitter came up with that idea. Credit to them. But yeah, so it was kinda heartbreaking for Charles. The other one was Lando Norris, who looked like set to have a podium for probably like fifteen laps or so, and then had a six point two second pit stop or something like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Which sort of pushed him just just off the steps. Imagine Lando and Charles on the podium at Silverstone.
1: You know what? I'm glad it didn't happen because it will happen next year when I'm there. Excellent. Blessing (laughs) in disguise.
0: What what did you think to the rest of the race after we'd had all the action of the first lap?
1: Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't think it was that interesting. It was a little bit boring. I think it, it benefited from having so much controversy to talk about. Yeah. It had its big moment.
0: I think it benefited from Lewis having that 10 second penalty. Yes. Because he has a way of fighting back through the pack, which is always exciting to watch.
1: Do you think the midfield drivers don't put up enough of a fight when they see Lewis Hamilton in their mirrors? Or do you think they should put up more of a fight?
0: No. I guess because Mercedes have been so dominant, maybe they're always just a bit like, "Oh well, there's just no point."
1: Yeah, yeah, it's inevitable. Then,
0: like in Austria, Lando was putting up quite a good defence to Lewis, kept him behind for quite a few laps. So maybe not so much anymore. But it did he did make it look quite easy getting past? Yeah i don't know maybe that's like a quality of silverstone it is like quite a nice open circuit where there's lots of places to get a nice slipstream get a nice overtake
1: i think it's kind of a shame i mean i totally agree with the 10 second penalty but had it been a stop go penalty he would have had to take it so much earlier Mm -hmm. and would have dropped so much further down the pack that it would have made it more of a challenge
0: i still think it have done it though If he'd had, because if it's a if it's a stop go, don't you have to take it like within three laps?
1: Yeah, that's what happened at Monza last year.
0: Yeah, so he'd have had like forty laps to make it back.
1: Yeah, but he had forty laps to make it. Well, that's true.
0: Whereas he only had like eleven laps to make back ten seconds.
1: Yeah, but he pushed the gap, so he had less cars to overtake.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't but, think it was worthy of a stop go, though.
1: So. No, maybe not. But this is the thing about this race. We can't stop talking about Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen because not a lot else happened.
0: No. Perez had a stinker, though. We'll talk about that.
1: Yeah, it was, it was rubbish.
0: Yep. What did you think about Red Bull's decision to pit him to take away the fastest lap point?
1: Because it was in 10th,
0: so he would have got a point. So why have they thought it's better for him not to get a point and take away from Mercedes than for him to get a point? Because surely just... it's the same.
1: It's also taken away from Lewis Hamilton.
0: Yeah, that's true. So he's not cutting his driver's lead.
1: And I guess Perez was still fighting with other cars around him. So there was a chance he could have lost that 10 place whereas you put him in a loose set, he's guaranteed to get the fastest lap. Whereas it wasn't dead set that he was going to get 10th. Minus one for Hamilton is better than a plus one for Perez in yeah. Red Bull's eyes. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was clearly Perez is happy with that. I mean, he's just happy to be here this year, isn't he? Yeah.
0: I thought he'd like picked up a pin- puncture or something because he had his little like battles with Raikkonen. So I thought he'd got a puncture and that's why he was going in. But then afterwards, in sort of the analysis, they're from like, oh yeah, he went to try and get fastest lap.
1: Well, that was the thing. That little fight with Raikkonen. What, what was Kimi doing? I don't know. It's tight. I mean... He's annoying me this year because I think he's just having the final dance, isn't he, before he leaves?
0: Apparently, Gasly picked up a puncture because of debris from their little tussle, so he then like dropped out the points. Brilliant. So it's just, should they have got penalties? Who knows?
1: I don't know. I don't think it's worth it of a penalty, but no, well, I no. guess I guess this is actually kind of what we were just talking about. Like, if a red bull comes up behind an Alfa Romeo, should the Alfa Romeo put up a fight? Yeah, I think he's entitled to. I think he should, but I don't think that was put off a fight. I think that was being a little bit naughty where he squeezed yeah. him. In Loughfield. I think it was.
0: But that was the other thing. It was another race where you sort of didn't really see much of anyone other than the top sort of four. They kind of, they kind of popped up in the little side windows, but there wasn't... You had like Vettel spin.
1: Yeah, but at least the... Uh... The fight at the top was actually worth watching. Yeah, we didn't see. Um, and I have. I mean, I mean, this is a spoiler for my sentence later. Nikita Mazepin beat Nick Schumacher for the second time this season, but the first time on pace.
0: Have you seen his move? No, it's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> you see him like line it up the corner before, and then he turns in like a little bit tighter, and then goes wide. So he's just got a better. Line into the next corner, and he just like has him down the inside. Like the guy's not a great human being, but
1: maybe this is a turning point.
0: I don't think it is. (laughs) It was like it was a nice move. Well, I mean, hoping Mick wins every other, or well, race ahead of him in every other. He wins every
1: other race. Yeah,
0: yeah, he wins
1: (laughs) every. So as always, we surmise every Grand Prix we talk about into a short one sentence, short enough, you could throw it in an email and send it to Michael Massey to read during a race. Uh, we go through in championship order, reviewing each team's race. So we start this week with Owen, who has got Red Bull Racing.
0: For Red Bull, I've said stunning sprint success soured by starting lap scrap. Just four points behind Red Bull is Mercedes AMG Formula One team. Have you described their weekend? Well,
1: I have Lewis Rides Lady Luck, but really Valtteri should be picking up second. Third place, we have McLaren Mercedes.
0: I've got Hometown Heroes Hall Home Impressive Points. Just behind McLaren is Ferrari.
1: Best Ferrari performance in years, gutted, it all ended in tears. Right. Behind Ferrari is the other Italian team, AlphaTauri.
0: Sonoda takes tenth as Gasly just misses the point. Just behind AlphaTauri is Aston Martin.
1: I've gone four. Why did Sebastian Vettel cross the road? Because he's retired from the race, and that's where the factory is.
0: Oh God!
1: I uh, keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Something different every week. We go from the Silverstone team to the Enstone team, uh, alpine Renault.
0: Awesome Alonso articulates Alpine's ambitions. And then with two points in eighth is Alfa Romeo.
1: I've, uh, does Kimmy realise he's outstayed his welcome yet? After Alfa Romeo, it is Williams.
0: Quality, quality comes unstuck as George slips back through the pack. Uh, so, finally, we have 10th place Haas F1 team.
1: I Mazapin Mazepin beats Mick on pace, showing some signs of getting up to speed.
0: So, that was our one sentence reviews of every team in the Formula One Constructors' Championship this year. What do you think of them? Do you agree with our opinions? Got your own reviews of each competitor? We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, reach out to the show at Friday Formula, or you can find each of us individually. I'm at Owen underscore Bellwood, and Will, you are
1: at Will Longman.
0: Please do get in touch with us on there. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the race in action and just anything else you've got going
1: on. How's your nan? Let us know. <laughs>
0: Uh, If you would like to find a slightly more condensed version of our podcasts, we do also run them on YouTube. Just search Friday Formula and you'll be able to find all our old episodes. That is everything from us this week. We will be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Bye. See you later.